Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 28th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. we got a great topic. I think you're going to really enjoy what we're going to discuss um, as we're getting you closer to the start of practice starting, which is, of course, one week away, the day of recording so we are getting closer to the start of the college basketball season. But before we get to that, we start with a pod thought of the day. Go back to legendary coach Dean Smith with one of his thoughts that always um, gets brought up and is remembered from time to time. Dean once said, a demanding teacher is quick to praise action that deserves praise, but will criticize the act, not the person. Speaking from a fellow critique, I don't do that. I criticize the person and the act. And it's why I'm not even half the man Dean Smith was. Yeah, it's also why people really don't like you. Roy Williams is. Good, yeah. It's probably why I'm single. Only have like two friends in, in life. But hey, snap out of it. Back to the pod. Back to the pod. This um, this is not this is not therapy. We've that you had you had that earlier in the week. This team might send me to therapy if we have another down year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a possibility. But there you go. Um, some great thoughts from Dean Smith. So today's topic. I've been kind of teasing it in some past episodes, but a lot of recruiting news and stuff like that's really pushed this topic to the back burner. And now we're a week away from practice. Um, and look, there's a lot of hype, anticipation, expectation around Carolina what they're going to look like under Hubert Davis. We imagine they're going to look different because he has said they're going to look different. Um, we imagine the, the players will look a little bit different as well. You know, you're bringing back Armando Baycott, who led your team in scoring, led your team in rebounding, um, was a part of the All-ACC team um, and the All-ACC tournament team, despite Carolina being kind of middle of the road in the ACC. He's your returning upperclassmen along with Leaky Black um, that didn't transfer into the program because you're adding Brady Manick, you're adding Justin McCoy, Leaky Black last year, 5.6 points per game, 4.9 rebounds per game, 2.4 assists, but only shot 37% from the field. 
if Carolina is going to compete to win the ACC or finish in the top three in the ACC, they're going to need more consistency from Armando Baycott and just more production from Leaky Black. The question is, is which upperclassmen will benefit from the coaching change, meaning Hubert Davis coaching them as opposed to Roy Williams? Is it Armando or is it Leakster? <sighs> okay, well, first of all, that is a horrific... You don't like Leakster? Speak, no, 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 no. I thought Leakster was pretty good. No, it's not that I don't like it. I absolutely hate that. That is awful. What do you want to call him then besides Leaky? Leaky! There's a reason why he has a nickname and why he, like... But doesn't I mean, nicknames get another nickname? Wait a second. So here's my question. Do you call Bug Howard Buggy Howard? That's actually not bad. That's, that's actually not, not I bad. imagine we had some different ah. interpretations or ah. modifications to Bug. Ah, not really. I, I think... Ah, like that was Bugtastic or, you know, Bugalicious or... You don't know how to buggy. You're, you oh my god! Wow, <laughs> wow, wow! That was awful. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to pick from here. If we're being, if we're being honest, unfortunately. Uh wait a second. Is Anthony Harris not? No, he would technically be a sophomore, right? Yeah, he redshirted. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would get, I would, I would say, I would say Armando. I, I think both guys could could benefit because I think. What's going to end up happening with Leaky is that you're going to see his role, I guess, technically diminished. Really, it's it's just going to change. So I think there's going to be less pressure on him because I feel like, and I don't think it's Roy Williams' fault. I mean, partially it is because he didn't recruit the guy on the wing to be able to take him out of that position as a starter. But I think coming off the bench, we've talked about it multiple times throughout the last couple of years, we feel like that's probably the best role for him. He does not look like a guy that at this point is going to pan out as a starter. I, I don't feel like he's a guy that is he not going to start to start the season though? I mean, he could, but I, I think as the season goes along, your hope is that you can get to a point where maybe Brady Manick is playing there. Or, I mean, that that would be, I guess, if you're wanting to go with the big shooting lineup. To me, I think the, the, the most attractive lineup, we've talked about it multiple times here w w since Dawson Garcia came in, it is Armando Garcia, Kerwin Walton, R.J. Davis, and Caleb Love. That, that's the starting lineup that you want to get to. I don't know if they come out of the gate with that, but I think that's the lineup that probably will have the most success when you look at the numbers early on in the season. And I think that's the one that should play the most because I feel like Leaky Black will be a guy that will have more success coming off the bench. He's, he's a guy that, to me, just doesn't handle the pressure of being a starter well. He hasn't in his time there. So I feel like it, he'll probably be able to thrive a little bit more in that role. The thing, the reason I'll go with Armando, though, is, I mean, there's a couple different ways that you can look at this. I think that, uh, you know, first of all, his game is going to be much more complete, which will help him both at the college level and at the NBA level. That's the biggest, I, I think you're, you're seeing a guy now where if he can develop that outside shot or even just that mid-range shot, He's a guy that all of a sudden can be put on some NBA radars because as we saw this past year, coming out of Roy Williams' system, he really wasn't on NBA radars. I mean, it, it just it, 
there wasn't there's there's no ability really away from the basket um, that we've seen not consistent ability away from the basket. Uh, he, he's really just a guy that's been a a post player for the majority of his career. He's had his inconsistencies, so I think you know. This system could definitely help him a lot more, especially when it comes to him being able to get to the NBA level. Um, and I think you know the other thing is is it's gonna you know probably be able to give him a little more room on the inside to to work with. You know you're not gonna have two bigs that are down there working. He, he's gonna be the solo guy, so he's gonna know that he's got to be the guy that cleans the glass more often than not. And I think that's something that could definitely help him, uh, you know, to become a, a little bit more of a dominant player and not be that guy that's sort of hit and miss down there because he knows that, hey, I can rely on Dayron to step up and have a big night if I'm having an off night down low or Garrison Brooks or Walker Kessler. Now, I mean, look, Dawson Garcia can be that guy. You are easily the most accomplished rebounder on this team. They need you night in and night out. I think he'll understand that, and I think that's what's going to allow him to have success this year also. <laughs> Did you see the picture circulating around of him on social media today? No. He looks jacked. He has been hitting the weight room, so he's put on a little bit of weight as well. So I think it's definitely benefiting him the most. I don't see how he can get much better. Um, I think he can score more and rebound more, but I think he would have done that last year had there not been four quality bigs on the roster. Um, and look, I think he's going to be able to shoot the three ball. I think if, if not, I think it'll be considered a disappointment from Hubert Davis and the coaching staff because how much they emphasize this in the offseason work. But when this coaching change transpired and we looked at the, the current roster we had, we knew we were losing X, Y, and Z to the transfer portal. We didn't know what we were going to add coming back. We didn't know what we were going to add um, recruiting-wise. The, the person I thought of the most was Leaky Black. And the reason I, I, I say that is because if you follow Leaky on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever it is, when Leakey was always working and he was posting that he was in the gym working, it was with Hubert Davis. He had that connection that, that for whatever reason, as opposed to – now, look, Roy Williams doesn't individually work out players and all that. That is what you have assistance for. But it was always Hubert. It was never Sean May or anyone else. He was always working out with Hubert Davis. Uh, and so I think the style of play is actually going to benefit him more because I think an open floor will allow him to take the advantage of his basketball abilities as a point forward. I think he'll be more natural if he has to run the offense in this system as opposed to Roy Williams. He's always been a good defender because that's how he earned his playing time and earned his, st his spot in that starting lineup. I think he can take it to a next level where he's impacting the game more often. I think Hubert Davis will use him differently. I would be surprised to see him guarding you know, in the backcourt, applying pressure on inbounds with his length because um, he's so long and, and, and lengthy. Um, with that being said, do I think he's going to score 12, 14 points a game? No. I don't think he has to, though, because you've got the guards, you've got the bigs. We've always compared him to what Theo Pinson did for Carolina. I think this will allow him to do what Theo did for the Tar Heels, which is just a little bit of everything, but more efficiently and more effectively. Um, and look, maybe I'm wrong, but I do think that if Carolina's going to compete and compete at a high level, like I think they can and I think they're going to, those two guys are going to be a really big part of that. They've been around here for a while. They know the expectation. They know 
that their careers, if there's if, if especially if Mondo leaves and goes off to the NBA, they'll be forgotten about Tar Heels because they haven't really accomplished anything. Leaky Black was a substitute player on that 2019 ACC regular season championship team. Of course, that team flamed out in the Sweet 16. So there's a lot of legacy on the line here for Armando and Leaky. Let's switch the conversation to the underclassmen, which is where there's a lot more to choose from, a lot more, I'm not going to say pure talent. There's a lot of talent in the underclass. I list Caleb, I list Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Kerwin Walton. Caleb last year, 10.5 points, 3.6 assists per game, but only shot 32% from the field and an even worse 27% from behind the three-point line. He wasn't all ACC freshman. R.J. Davis, a guy that we were really high on at the end of the season, 8.4 points per game, 1.9 assists, and 2.3 rebounds while shooting 35% and 32% from three. Finish up with Kerwin Walton, 8.2 points per game while shooting 44% from the field and a blistering 42% from behind the three-point line. I think trying to narrow down one of those three guys is going to be really hard to choose from because, as you mentioned, there's going to there's a potential at all three will start at some point in the season. Mm-hmm. I do not think it's going to be in October. I think if you see that lineup, it'll be February, March, when Carolina's gearing up at an ACC and, and an NCAA tournament run. But I think we're expecting all three of these guys to take a big step forward in their sophomore years. I don't know. I think you could definitely see that lineup a little bit earlier just based on what ends up happening with some of these out-of-conference games. I think if it becomes pretty obvious that that's the best lineup and you're going through what is, I mean, look, I I think there are some areas on the schedule where it's not as tough as other years, but this is still a pretty solid murderer's row in terms of the schedule. So I think if they see that that lineup is clearly better than the one with leaky black on the floor, whatever they roll out, we don't really know yet. I think you could see that line, that starting lineup earlier than you probably think. Or, I mean, look, it doesn't really matter because technically, look, they could start the starting line. They could put Leaky out there as a starter, but play this unit more minutes. I, I mean, that's the thing. That, that's the main thing about it is, you know, they, they can adjust some of these things the way that they want to. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of – when it comes – like you said with Armando, how much better can he really get? I mean, can't the same be said in terms of the offensive end for Kerwin Walton? I think he's kind of no. – we know what he is as a player. He's a three-point shooter. And he needs to develop a mid-range game and the ability to take a defender off the dribble. Yeah, but I don't think he needs to develop as much as these other guys that we're talking about here. Not even close. I think that if he is a guy that doesn't develop the mid-range, the mid-range game and is just that outside threat, that this team just really desperately needs. You could live with that. Um, I don't. The, the biggest thing for me, I don't know how much this system is going to help defensively. I think there's a chance that it could help a lot, but I don't. It, it seems like. Do you not think Carolina's going to be a better defensive team? Because I think they're going to be. No, I think they will be. I think that. I don't know if it's as obvious as. Because I, I don't, Hubert hasn't really come out and said, "Look, we're not going to do a lot of the hedging and stuff like that." You would assume that's not going to happen. You would hope that that's not going to happen. But at the same time, it could happen because you're you've got more athletic guys that can cover a lot a lot more space more quickly. So I don't know. 
I, that that's my one my one question with that is we haven't really and we won't get a defensive game plan from Hubert. I think that's something you kind of got to wait and see. Where with the offensive end, you kind of know guys are going to be spaced out on the other end of the floor. You know that a guy that you're bringing in in Brady Manick and even Dawson Garcia from watching the way they play are guys that are going to you know stand typically stand take the ball up top at times and be able to drive the basket and finish in the case of Garcia or be able to knock down the outside shot in the case of Brady Manick, a.k.a. the you know modern-day Larry John, Larry Bird. Um, I, you, this, is, this is tough because I think, I mean, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, I think, are the two that you're definitely looking at. You're talking about two guys that are going to probably have a better chance to drive the lane this year and be more aggressive with the fact that the lane won't be as clogged without the two bigs inside. To me, I think that benefits R.J. Davis the most because I think we've seen that element of his game a little bit more than Caleb Love in terms of being able to drive the basket and finish. And I think that's going to allow him to thrive in this offense. Um, I, I still think, I mean, Caleb Love, I think, is going to be able to do a lot of things with that as well. Um, but I think R.J. Davis, and this is the other thing, in order for this team, I think, to take a step, I really think that R.J. Davis at that two-guard spot is going to have to step up and play better than he had than he did at times last year. They, they need him to be that dynamic feature in the backcourt alongside of Caleb Love because you would imagine that natural progression would probably take Caleb Love to a good enough point guard. Maybe not a great point guard, which would definitely help you, but I think you need that dynamic backcourt duo to be able to help you back there because that's been the thing that Carolina has lacked the most over the last couple of years. If we end the season and Caleb Love has had a ho-hum season, let's say he doesn't take the next step, his numbers may look a little bit better on paper, but you can tell on the court he didn't he didn't progress like every other point guard in the history of Carolina basketball has from their freshman year to their sophomore sophomore year that wasn't named Larry Drew. I think we're having to, I think we'll have to come back and <laughs> Well even the, Larry Drew had so, took some steps but then quit on they, the team. They stepped there was backwards steps. I think we'll be having a very difficult situation for Caleb Love because the, about Caleb Love, this offense is tailor made for him. This is what he should want to play in because it's going to be up and down. It's going to be a more modern NBA-style offense with the floor spacing, with the pick and roll, and stuff like that. And if he can't adapt to that after a normal offseason that he's going to have, which we all know that last year that really impacted their progression, I think you're going to have to be sitting there wondering is he the future uh, at the point guard position for Carolina? Do they look to go somewhere else? Does he look to go somewhere else? Because that was rumored last year at the end of the season that he was potentially looking to transfer out of Carolina. But I agree with you. I, I do think, and I don't know what it what it is, what it what it was, but at the times that Caleb Love looked really good last year. You go back to that game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. You go back to the game against Duke at home to finish out the regular season. They were really, really high, but his lows were really, really low. And the inconsistency in between the high and the low games – I never felt was as drastic as R.J. Davis. R.J. Davis, whenever he was in a rhythm, had the confidence in his game, it appeared to me just played more consistently better. You look at what he did in that ACC tournament. They don't beat Virginia Tech without him. 
When's the last time you Carolina you look at a Carolina team and say they don't win a tough ACC tournament game without a freshman? You probably got to go back to Harrison Barnes when he dropped forty against Clemson. Tyler Hansborough, um, you know, one of those teams. I mean, to me, that's pretty high praise. Brandon Wright or Ty Lawson, um, and, and so I look at that, and I think the scrappiness that he plays with. He plays with that edge that. I think this team has been lacking since Joel Berry left. He's got a little bit of fight in him. He's not afraid to jaw. I think his shooting stroke, to me, it looks more pure than Caleb Love's. Caleb Love has a yes. hitch in his shot. Yes. Hopefully, Hubert Davis and the coaching staff has that corrected. Um, but everything, to me, just looked more natural with RJ. It seemed to come, the game came easier to him when it was going well. And when he wasn't playing well, which was frequent at times, the frustration wasn't as evident as it was on Caleb Love. Well, the other thing with him is you talked about the pick-and-roll game. Is he not a guy that if you end up having to switch a center onto, he, I mean, he will blow right by those guys and be able to take it straight to the basket. I feel like that's going to really, really help his game a lot. I think the area where he's got to improve, I mean, you're talking about a guy that didn't even average to assist a game last year. He's got to learn in some of those moments to kick the ball out if he can't take it all the way to the basket. But that's the thing. I think this offense is going to, you're going to see guards that are going to drive the basket a lot more and when I think of that with this team this is the first guy I think of he loves like you said he's like Joel Berry he's got that aggressive mindset of I want to take it to the basket and I'm either going to finish or I'm going to draw contact so I think this this sets up for him to be extremely successful and yeah I mean with Caleb Love you would expect that he's going to take that next step especially because you're being coached by a guy that has been a guard at Carolina has lived the lifestyle that you've lived and knows what it takes for you to be able to make those progressions. I I definitely think, to be honest with you, both of these guys to me, I think these two guys, it's very obvious that they're the ones that should benefit the most from this system. I think Kerwin Walton definitely could, but I think that these two guys, no doubt, are guys that probably looked at this and said, this is a good situation. It's part of the reason why Caleb Love came back. I believe that if Roy Williams had stayed the head coach, you think he transferred? I don't think he probably ends up coming back. I think this, with the way that Hubert Davis probably described what was go, you know, what his system was eventually going to look like or where he wants to get to throughout the season, I think that's one where Caleb Love said, that's a good fit for me. I think that's one of the reasons that I want to come back. Wouldn't that lead you to believe that, let's just say, for some reason, we're in December and Carolina doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. They look like Carolina looked in December last year. God forbid, two years ago, which if that's the case, this podcast will no longer exist. <laughs> then you're probably looking at a situation wow. where he's either entered the transfer portal or... He's going to, and there's no turning back. If 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 what you're saying is what you believe, well, the I mean, look, the I think it's an element of why he came back. I don't think it's the only reason, but yes, that's this is unfortunately a possibility when it comes to modern day college athletics. We've seen guys already during football season that have entered the transfer portal. Got three weeks into the season, guys that get benched or. Guys, even guys that get benched and still have a role but don't like the role that they have, they are entering the transfer portal already. That's an element that you've got to deal with. 
But I think at this point, I mean, look, like if, if it's like you said, if it's very obvious that Caleb Love is not the guy for your system and you feel like, let's say you feel like R.J. Davis is that guy. You want him at the one, you want Kerwin Walton at the two, and I don't know, let's say Puff Johnson emerges at the three or, or something like that. Then yeah, I mean you you do what's best for your team and look if he's a guy that says look I'm going to enter the transfer portal, you say well it is what it is you know we tried it we thought that this would be a good fit for you it doesn't turn out to be that but here's the thing I, I don't want to get into that just yet because it's still preseason we're supposed to be positive yeah and I really think that he is the he's got the raw talent to be able to take a step forward. I don't think that this is going to be a guy that we're going to come back on here early on, you know, after about the first four or five games of the season and say to ourselves, man, we got a problem at point guard. If it is, then so be it. But for right now, I I like to believe that this is a guy that can take a step forward in this system. I just feel like, as you do, R.J. Davis is the guy that benefits just a little bit more. All right, we will come back. We will wrap up today's show, a little shorter episode today of the Four Corners Podcast. But before we do that, here is the latest from DraftKings. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Really hope you guys are taking a great advantage of that offer and are making lots of lots of money and instead of losing lots of lots of money um, because betting on football games as wacky as the NFL and the college football seasons have been to date, I'm sure, are as tricky as ever. Yeah, we'll never give you betting advice on here. Yeah. We would be... I would always just take the over because points come at a premium in today's football. Don't listen, don't listen to that either, though, unless guys. you're Unless it's a Big Ten game or... Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even say an, an Army game because the Army, I mean, Army can, you know, they run 400 yards, but they score 40 what about, what about an NFL game later on this season between the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are in turmoil, and Davis Mills-led Houston Texans? I'd still take the over. Um, ah. All right, just a couple of notes before we do get you guys out of here. Marcus Page became the latest Tar Heel to sign overseas. He signed with a club in France. That is called Orleans. Um, so happy for Marcus that he is continuing his basketball journey, albeit it being overseas. A lot of overseas guys for Carolina. You well, got hey, it. I'm going to tell you, if he keeps it up, if he actually performs well over there with how bad things are in New Orleans, he may be there. They may just give him to the other Orleans. Yeah, that <laughs> might actually happen. You never know. Um, you know, you got him. Luke May signed overseas. Marcus Ginyard's been overseas. Kennedy Meeks. Deion Thompson, 
Um, I believe, did, did, did Isaiah Hicks go overseas, I believe, earlier this summer? Desmond Huber, you had that Desmond nice Huber on the podcast yeah. the other the he, other week. That was overseas. fantastic. I mean, there's like a whole NBA roster of Carolina players that play overseas and prestigious overseas clubs. that They're playing in high-level basketball. Honestly, um, if you point to any of the recent names that have been put up in the rafters in the Smith Center, they they're got, probably playing somewhere yeah. overseas. You'll find them somewhere. Um, and lastly... Um, you guys, we, we don't ever really, you know, we're not supposed to promote other podcasts, but if you're not a subscriber to the Carolina Insider Pod, go back, check out an interview. Roy Williams spoke for the first time since his retirement with the guys over at the Carolina Center Podcast, Jones Angel and Adam Lucas, two guys you'll hear on this podcast throughout the basketball season. Yeah, they're friends of the show. They don't care if we plug. It's It's cool. Yeah, I have not yet had a chance to go back and listen to this interview um the the reaction from social media and even from the way that those guys that described the interview themselves it was emotional it was difficult for him to you know express and he really opened up on what led him to his ultimate decision to retire um and so my hope is that i'll have the time when we get back with you guys next week to kind of have some audio and and really have some reactions to that because um i feel like it's going to be pretty powerful pretty moving um and anytime the head coach or the former head coach of the tar heel speaks we want to make sure um, that you know, you guys get a chance to listen to it. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you guys go, get you guys over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we're coming off a big weekend in football where Carolina got their act together for one week against Virginia. We had a recap, trench report, and a stock report from the win over the Wahoos. We're now getting you ready for this weekend's matchup with uh, Georgia Tech down in Mercedes-Benz Dome um, in Atlanta. Um, and the same thing, we'll have a preview, preview podcast, which will be on the Facebook page, on the football side of things. Um, and then following the game, recap, I'll have my trench report. Then we'll have the stock report um, before we get you guys over and get you ready for the new game basketball side breath. of things. Catch your breath. We are um, we're getting closer to the start of getting you ready for the season on the blog side of things as well with a season preview and all that great stuff coming the closer we get to the start of basketball season. Last week, we encourage you guys to rate, review, and ultimately subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on every major podcasting feed. We are on Megaphone as our hosting app. We are a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. You can find the Four Corners Podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, like it. Review me as the host. Review Anthony's host. We had a guy tweet at us today um, wanting to know why we took the Jerry Stackhouse dunk call out of the intro. I saw that. Yeah, That was simply that. my man trying to get the intro so much shorter. It was at about a minute 45. was trying to get it down right about a minute. That way you guys don't get lulled to sleep before Anthony and I ultimately put you guys to sleep. But we want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every episode right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We'll thank Anthony for hosting. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.